Today on CityCast Chicago, it's been a real foggy week, y'all, which not only made for some dope drone shots, but kind of made it hard to see, you know? Uh, So I called in some reinforcements to look back on some Chicago stories from the week, including CBS Morning reporter Marissa Potter and CWTV host Brandon Pope. It's Friday, April 8th. I'm Jacoby Cochran, and this is CityCast Chicago. I'm, I'm so excited to have both of y'all. Not only do I follow your work, do I follow you on, on, on Twitter, um, but I love your energy. I've gotten a chance to talk to both of y'all off mic. Um, I appreciate the voice y'all bring to the city of Chicago. I appreciate what y'all are going to bring the CityCast listeners today. But before we get started on looking back on the week, uh, CityCast has a live show coming up in partnership with Karaoke Storytellers, which is a show that I host at Shuba's. And we're doing it on April 17th, next Sunday at 7 o'clock. Bianca Shaw. Uh, a local uh, Chicago musician and singer it is going to be our headliner. We got Kelly Howard and my co-host is none other than Lisa B. Oh, wow. uh, it's it's going to be a great show where performers okay. come. They tell about a five to seven minute true story about their life. And then they sing a karaoke song related. And we don't have themes. So people bring in a wild range of stories, a wild range of songs. So I wanted to ask y'all if, you know, y'all had a go-to karaoke song or a karaoke song mm. y'all like to sing. And Marissa, I'm going to start with you. Uh, is there a karaoke song that, that that you love? I would say it's a mix of probably if we want to do like some 90s throwbacks. Uh, I like TLC, Waterfalls, okay. uh, Spice Girls, you know, it, it's all about like I get a sense of the room. And what what are they going to know the lyrics to? I just want I want everybody to have fun, you know? Mm-hmm. So that's it. I just, I just feel now, it out. You got some good choices. Don't go chase. Oh, he's giving us a preview. Yeah, there you go. Listen to the lyrics <laughs> that you used to. Used to. Hey, there you go. Uh, all right, Brandon. <laughs> I have to have a drink before I start. <laughs> it's too early for that. <laughs> Brandon, what's a karaoke song that would be considered a go-to for you? Ooh, I, I, it's either I Can't Make You Love Me, which has been mm. you know, done many times by George Michael and, you know, Patti LaBelle and people like that. So that's a good one just because mm-hmm. it works with my vocal range. And I don't have to hit too many highs. <laughs> but also anything by Tony Braxton. Uh, mm. He wasn't man enough for me. Another sad love song because I can do like the deep register really well. You got to give me a little preview of that. I'm putting you on the spot. Just another sad love song back <laughs> in my brain, like crazy. Man. You know, you gotta you're able to go down a little bit. You know, uh-huh. that's what it's all about. You gotta stay in your lane. I, I feel that, despite hosting the show, I've actually only sung karaoke one time at the show, and it was the very first time when I performed in it. I told a story about my grandmother. Um, it's actually one that's on Snap Judgments about my relationship with my grandmother, and mm-hmm. afterwards, I chose to sing "Wish You Were Here" by Jamie Foxx. Uh, mm. Which, if you know that song, is like him like writing this letter to his grandmother, speaking to her in his dreams. I'm not gonna lie to y'all. I sobbed the whole song the minute I started singing because during the performance as a storyteller, I was able to like hold the emotion back. I was able to Denzel tear it, like keep my range, like bring the audience there because you know I'm I got I got some skills as a storyteller, but I don't really sing in public. That's a completely different pocket. And the minute I tried to start singing, 
I just like cried through the whole song and the audience loved it. Mm. It's one of the most supportive audiences that you'll get in live performance in Chicago. So if y'all got time to come out to karaoke storytellers, you ain't going to see me sing. You probably not going to see me cry, uh, but you <laughs> will see some other people do both of those things in, in addition to making you laugh. So come out to karaoke storytellers at Shuba's April 17th at seven o'clock. Uh, B Pope, Marissa, if y'all got time, you know, uh, come kick it with your boy. Um, but that's looking forward. This show and this episode is about looking backwards on the week at some of the stories that, that came across our desk. Uh, so, Brandon, I'm going to start with you. What was the story that kind of had your attention most of the week? Man, it's this Chicago casino talk. Yeah. It feels like it's been dragging for a while, but now we're finally it's seeming closer to reality. Uh, the mayor unveiling her three finalists. Two of them, mostly South Loop. You could say it's near South Side, one of them. Mm -hmm. And then the other one in the River West, kind of West Loop area. Um, so we're talking about that old Tribune uh, building over there mm -hmm. by the river. We're talking about that area of land over there across from Roosevelt Collection called the 78 that they're talking about making a casino. Yeah. And then we're talking about an area directly in South Loop that would be the Hard Rock Casino, uh, basically, and what they would plan. Either way, all three proposals carry a lot of change for the areas they would come into. Uh, I've talked to people who live in South Loop. They're excited about potentially having a casino, mm -hmm. but not excited about what that would mean in terms of costs going up for rents, in terms of traffic, more traffic in the area from tourism coming through to the South Loop. But the South Loop is also an area where people don't have a lot of things to do. It's just close enough transportation to leave and go other to other neighborhoods. So it gives them something unique for them. But the, the one with the Tribune building, mm -hmm. the River West area is really fascinating. We've all passed by that area a lot. It's, you know, a little run down. There's lots of ivy growing around it. There's lots of ways to beautify that area. And they're proposing some ways that they say would actually bring down traffic. Um, the, the, the people that are proposing the casino there, um, people there living there, they're not buying it so far. They don't think that would be a thing. And you have environmental groups also coming out saying they wouldn't be happy with how this would impact the river area and the waterway. So I'm just really fascinated by what this whole conversation is, as it looks like this casino is going to be closer to reality. Obviously, you got to get those city approvals and more and more approvals. But having those three finalists there and getting these these plans mapped out, these meetings and, and seeing the players at stake. Yeah, this casino, it's it's getting closer to fruition. Yeah, the, the tempo is definitely picking up. Uh, we did a City Cash Chicago casino cheat sheet for folks that will drop in the mm -hmm. show notes where you can get the details on each of the proposals. Again, Hard Rock at 1 Central near Soldier Field, which is not only a casino, but yeah. potentially part of a larger development in, in near Soldier Field, Bally's Tribune and River West, and, and then the River 78 in South Loop. Uh, I believe a few of those community meetings have already happened. Block Club wrote about a few of them and, you know, residents have come out and, you know, time and time again, when we cover mega developments, whether it's a presidential center, whether it's an Amazon facility or even a major casino, uh, residents constantly are telling folks we feel mm -hmm. left out of this process. Mm -hmm. We don't feel heard. Uh, we don't feel like these proposals have been, uh, you know, kind of adequately moved throughout the community. And, and even the older people have, have taken different um, tones. You know, you got Sixto Lopez who says he can't 
support a casino near Pilsen in Chinatown. But, you know, Walter Burnett over <laughs> near River West is like, you know, I, I, I kind of want this. He says senior citizens gamble and, and, and people want this in the neighborhood. <laughs> yeah. and, and, and so watching how this will play out between residents in these communities and city council. Um, it's going to be an interesting fight because I don't think there will be a, a, a level of transparency that's going to make most residents happy. Marissa, how do you feel about it? Well, I mean, I live in South Loop, so I would say I get to talk to people a lot about it. Um, and it's 50-50, right? Like, I do meet a lot of people. I mean, look, I, I live right above a corner market, and they are mm-hmm. very unhappy about this. And... Uh, there's, there's a lot of people that are kind of dreading the extra congestion. You've got Soldier Field right around the corner that already brings a lot of traffic. So they're like, oh, great, here's yet another thing that's going to cause traffic jams on Roosevelt. So there's a lot of questions, not just from uh, what it's going to bring in terms of congestion to the area and maybe potentially uh, other issues that they're they're concerned about. Mm-hmm. Um Marissa, what was the story that you were following um, that that you couldn't take your eyes away from? All right. Well, it's one you two know all about. Scooters. They're coming <laughs> back. Brandon and Jacoby, Scooters, get ready. Yes, <laughs> Scooter gang, yes. Scooter squad here. Um, so starting <laughs> in May, ready or not, here they come. So this is official, hot off the press this week. Lime, Spin, and Super Pedestrian. That's not one that I'm actually very familiar with, but Maybe. I know Lime. Right? Well, we're going to find out. We're going to find out in May. <laughs> you sure will. Oh, yeah. So in addition to those three companies, um, Divi is adding a thousand scooters to their ranks yeah. as well. So to start out with, it's only going to be Divi scooters that are available downtown. And they're going to kind of wait until midsummer to kind of see how that goes. Because listen, I mean, we're going to get into the complaints in just a moment, but I think they just kind of mm-hmm. want to see how things go with the congestion downtown um, before they start allowing the rest of the scooter companies to also be downtown. But they're they're doing this thing where they've got, you know, this requirement for when we look at all of these companies, all three of them, at least half of them have to be in designated equity priority areas on the south and west side um, to really to try to make sure that they're getting um, more public transit options. And that is a huge part of the conversation here, especially within the context of the last few months, right? The last few weeks with gas the way it is. Um, so that is that is something to kind of keep an eye on. Uh, a lot of people talked about the issues with scooters either being, well, there was one story that my station had done. The scooters were like dumped in the river. That still does not make any sense. That was just somebody having a bad day. (laughs) I don't know. Um, But there was a legitimate issue that would happen a lot where scooters were left in the middle of sidewalks. So listen, Mm -hmm. they're saying you're not allowed to do that. They're saying that they've taken measures. Uh, I remember when this was something that Lime was vying for. They hosted media availabilities. They were showing us their new and improved scooters. And they were telling us Sidewalk that- Sidewalk tracking technology. Yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> so let's see how that pans out. But they say that they've, but they say that they've got, you know, the, these new upgrades that are going to prevent that from happening. Um, so we're going to, we're going to mm-hmm. see how that goes. You guys are going to be the first ones to test yeah. it out. Oh, you know, we're going to be out there. There were a few places that the the permanent program said you can't ride scooters in addition to the sidewalks, the Lakefront Mm -hmm. Trail, the Bloomingdale Trail, a.k.a. the 606, the Riverwalk, 
Navy Pier or in the area of O'Hare. But it does sound like yes. they're going to be more widely available uh, across the city. Uh, I wonder how the technology will go to make sure they don't just pile up. Because like with the Divi e-bikes, for example, I'm gonna just keep it real with y'all. I use the Divi e-bikes, uh, you know, maybe once a week, once every couple weeks. And they have this thing where they say, uh, because my neighborhood or where I typically ride doesn't have that many places to put the bikes apparently i can just leave the e-bike as long as i like put the lock switch on in a certain way so mm. i'm gonna be real i just left that e-bike at a lot of places i just hopped off of it not in the middle of the sidewalk but you know like right off the side right off maybe just a little bit on like the uh the like crosswalk between grass patches and, and so i wonder how well will the technology whether it's divvy whether it's lime whether it's super pedestrian how well will it actually work to, to keep people right. from just dumping them uh, places. Uh, so so I'm interested to see how they work. I've been to a few cities recently that have large scooter programs like Kansas City. Yes. And they are everywhere. They're on every street corner. Mm -hmm. They don't seem to be in the way as much as they just seem to be everywhere. Um, and, and so I wonder how people right. define in the way. Yeah, I'm curious about that. I mean, I, but I'm happy because Every other city mm -hmm. is doing this. D.C., New York, Cincinnati, Indianapolis, you name it. Everyone's on scooters. But then Chicago, with all its transportation gaps, for some reason, was just taking forever on it. So finally, we can close some of those gaps. Uh, the scooters are very effective. And the fact that we're able to have some in the loop is going to be a big help for a lot of people as well and probably free up some of that car traffic too um, that you see on the street. Gosh, when I was in DC, I was using scooters all the time and I, I don't have a car. Yeah. And, you know, if I'm honest, I couldn't afford some of the, the transit methods that were available to me. Mm -hmm. um, so I use scooters all the time. I mean, I remember I was going to interviews on a scooter and, you know, I had a yeah. separate pair of clothes, but that was how I was able to like make it to yeah. my interviews on time back in the day. So, mm -hmm. Um, you know, I guess we're, we're all part of the scooter squad here, but it, it, all of these companies have their promises on how they're going to keep the streets clean, if you will. So we'll see how they deliver on that. I will say one thing, if you are out there and you are listening and you're one of those people who puts the scooter inside of your apartment, man, <laughs> I can't tell you how many times have you, have you guys ever encountered that? I can't tell you how many times I would be dinging for the scooter and I would see it light up on someone's balcony. It'd be like, what it was like give these people who lock them inside I wasted of their, so like, so courtyards and yes. like large apartments on the south side. Like, is, yes. Is that's a, a mess. I, I, I recorded I, all of that. No, I'm just kidding. Had to move on. <laughs> that's worth a report. That's worth a report. Well, homies, they finna figure out how to hack them scooters. In addition to the big stories that happen every week, there are a few that, that may fall under the radar. Uh, Pope, I'm gonna kick it back to you. What's a story you wanna drop some light on this week? Yeah, uh, Mayor Lori Lightfoot and, uh, you know, Superintendent David Brown of the police have been making this big push for uh, their public safety plan and public safety reforms. The timing, interesting, because we are getting into election season and the mayor's got to start thinking about, will she get reelected? And you got people already announcing they're running for mayor. However, one of the reforms that she's pushing um, is the city actually reimbursing residents for security cameras and security lights on their mm -hmm. homes? This is a, would obviously be a big relief for people who 
want to have that deterrent to being victims of crime, but literally can't afford it. And we all know a lot of these fancy systems, these home yeah. security systems, they are expensive. It's just people, I, I, I don't know if I could afford it right now, right? But if you can be reimbursed and have that as a city plan, uh, that does help. People obviously on the south and the west side and around the city have had concerns about rising crime. So to incentivize yourself, giving you some of these protections, if the city can give you some money and some relief, I think that's a good thing. The only thing is like, this should have been a thing sooner. What, like, what, why is this a thing now and not like years ago? We've had violence issues and security issues for a while. Really this whole entire pandemic, it's been on the rise. Uh, so it feels a little bit like too little too late, but it still seems like it could be a good thing for a lot of people. Uh, the program that they announced, it looks like it will be like a $5.3 million program. Um, they'll reimburse people up to $250 per camera, no more than $400 per home, uh, subscription costs for up to a year, and $100 per light for outdoor motion sensor, uh, and then reimbursement on vehicle GPS tracking devices and a subscription for a year. Uh, on the one hand, when I read this, um, it sounded like a sensible program. You know, my mom loves these systems. She's like, I need a camera on my garage. I need a camera on my front door. I need a camera on my side door. She got 25 Alexas in the house. She put a GPS tracker. And so I understand that that is what my mom needs and wants to feel safe. And uh, if the city is going to reimburse people for that, more power to them. But, but I am also concerned about the proliferation of surveillance and what that means for our relationship to one another um, and, and, and to city authority. I kind of see both sides here. I, I've mm -hmm. also, I can't tell you how many times I've covered something tragic that happens. I mean, in fact, one of the things, one of the stories that I'm working on that I'm trying to um, get some FOIA data back on is looking at um, hit and run success rates when it comes to solving them and trying to get a sense of how much of a connection there is between surveillance in that neighborhood. Because how many times have I done a story where there was no camera to witness what happened? It happened in the middle of the night. Nobody knows except they found this person laying in the middle of the street. And when it gets solved, I mean, I can't tell you how many times it's because someone had a ring doorbell camera across the street that captured it, um, that captured the car and there's some sort of lead. So I, my heart breaks for the communities. It's very often, you can guess, um, there are streets and intersections and communities that do not have any of that available. So it just, it, it breaks my heart because I've done so many stories on crimes that just disappear. So mm -hmm. I, I see both sides here. For sure, for sure. I, I, I hear you on that. And then on like a lighter note, um, you know, ring doorbells have given us like a pretty amazing social media trend of people like mm. catching <laughs> folks trying to steal their packages and just yelling at their ass through the ring door. Get your ass off my lawn. Get your ass off my porch. And uh Oh, those have been great. Those have been great. And, and been then great. people like drunkenly like talking <laughs> to you? the ring doorbell <laughs> or something like that. That, that I'm not gonna lie. That's pretty. That's pretty funny. Uh, my mom will not be home, and I'll ring the doorbell. She's like, "Boy, I ain't there." You just use use your key. <laughs> uh, so, so Marissa, I'm with you. I, I do see both sides. Uh, I'm gonna stay with you. What's a story that you want to shine more light on? Um, okay, so I want to talk about life rings. This is something that we've covered over the last several years, all of us in some capacity. Um, unfortunately, probably because of uh, a tragedy that all of us knew about last August. But 
Recently, a bill passed through both houses in Illinois last week. Um, It's HB 4165, and it's a bill that would require life rings along the Lake Michigan lakefront. Um, And it hasn't been sent to Governor Pritzker's desk yet, but it's, it's on the way. Um, and I find this so interesting because how many times have we covered drownings here uh, in the Chicago area? And there was one that I really, I don't know what it was, but it really sparked public outcry in a way that we haven't seen in a long time. Um, Miguel Cisneros, he was the, the man who had drowned last summer Mm -hmm. and, I think that it it touched the Rogers Park community in a way that we saw them rally together. The Rogers Park community and other water safety advocates, they put up money to put life rings along that area, that specific pier in Rogers Park. And the big contention was with the Parks District. They were taking them down. And they were snatching them up. I've done a story with a water safety advocate, Hallie Quezada. She's the one that actually um, partially drafted this bill. So she was along Lake Michigan. Um, she saw a 13-year-old girl drown in 2018. I mean, to witness that is horrendous. And it's not like they didn't try, right? Um, the water was really choppy and they simply could not safely get out to her. That's the whole point of a life ring is even having a chance at throwing something that floats to someone who is within the reach of a life ring. And they didn't have that. And they knew that the water was too unsafe to go into. That was in 2018. She has been fighting for this ever since. I did a story with her in May of last year. This was early last summer. And the park district held a meeting about life rings. And they essentially said that the reason they didn't want to put up life rings, this was in a public meeting. It's out there. It's from early last summer. It was a liability issue. They said, quote, I have this in front of me, installing life rings in dangerous places with unsanctioned swimming areas would encourage swimming. Right. So, I mean, there's a whole lot of people that are like, what? (laughs) This life-saving device. Water encourages swimming. Like, (laughs) like that's what encourages people to swim. Nobody goes like, oh, is there a life ring here? That's the reason I'm going to jump in this water right now. (laughs) I'm I'm mystified why they'd have so much resistance to life rings. Like, why is this something that they would remove or be so adamant of not having? liability like it just that's it it's baffling to me well it's really baffling i i do find it interesting because it's like well if you're taking down the life rings that people were putting in there i mean then at what point Mm -hmm. how how are you helping the situation Mm -hmm. so exactly you're really admitting you like you could talk around it all you want but what you're admitting is you're saying um i don't want to be responsible yeah i don't want to be responsible for this i would rather people drown in the lake and I say I had nothing to do with it then on one hand just let people put their own life rings up Mm -hmm. but and and so the park has Mm -hmm. since said that they would you know this upcoming summer you know over the year add more but it's still good to have a bill that means that this is no longer up to their discretion and I just think it's interesting that you know they were going head to head with Chicago and the Parks District, and yeah, you talked about how the Parks District eventually was like, okay, yeah, we'll we'll think about it. But eventually, they said, you know what? Forget this. We're going to the state. We're going above right. everybody's heads. <laughs> we're going straight to the governor. So that's I'm where we that. are. That's HB four one six five. Stay tuned. 
great stories from both of y'all from reimbursing people for security cameras and other uh, pieces of technology as an ongoing public safety strategy. I'm interested to see how that plays out, how smoothly that moves, uh, but also talking about uh, communities fighting um, to have these life preservers um, at piers, at beaches, uh, and even at unsanctioned mm-hmm. spots uh, for, for the safety of the community. Uh, so I appreciate y'all shedding light on those stories. Um, we got to lead the people every single week uh, with, with some moments of joy, with some, <clears throat> some good news <laughs> to get them through the weekend. There we go. You know, uh, we want to we want to celebrate note. the joy not only in our personal lives but across the city. Uh, Brandon, you got a moment of joy for us? I know we didn't already talked about about scooter gangs, uh, but but I think you got <laughs> some news for us, man. You you you're doing some big things over there, dog. Come tell us about it, Paul. Yeah, it's been consuming my life for the past three, four, five weeks months uh so i'm now the host of a new show on cw26 and wciu in partnership with block club chicago it is called on the block premieres this april uh 14th and saturday at 10 a.m on cw26 i'm really excited and uh pumped to to see the hard work of uh these block club chicago Mm -hmm. reporters brought to a visual lens, you know, we're going to basically be doing long form storytelling um, and some great neighborhood storytelling uh, of some great people doing great things in the in the city of Chicago. And I'm that's what I'm all about is positivity and light. So we're going to be spreading that as much as possible. And hey, we got so much love for Block Club. They've not only shot the shit with us on these Friday shows, you know, they literally have sat down with us from South Shore to Jefferson Park to Rogers Park to to Inglewood. Like we we love Block Club Chicago and the work that they do on an individual level. And I'm great to see them have an opportunity, like you said, put faces to that writing, put neighborhood images and visuals and the walkthroughs, like even the small little clips y'all have shown um, is great. And I could tell people because y'all might not see the videos, you know, from the podcast, but I see these journalists and just how energetic they are, right? How, how much vibrancy they bring when they talk about the work that they're doing. And, uh, you know, uh, let's just be real. They got one of the absolute best individuals to to help them navigate the ship. Uh, and you, Absolutely. Brandon, you are a wonderful host, man. Oh, you are a great you. personality, energy. The show, um, even even when you're not here, our headquarters is like, man, when y'all gonna have Brandon back? I love when Brandon comes. <laughs> y'all should make him a regular contributor. And so and we so we we That's try love. to have you I back every couple it, months. So I'm excited for you um, to share these stories. You always bring a, a good amount of nuance, and and so the collaboration between journalists. Um, and voices in this city is so beautiful. So congratulations to you. Congratulations to all the folks over at Block Club. They couldn't have picked a better person. It's a good (laughs) name and a good host. I'm so Uh excited for you. (laughs) Thank you, Marissa. Thank you, Jacoby. It's fun. And yeah, we on the block. I mean, it's 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 (laughs) it's a street name. It's a it's a very hood ass name. I love it. I'm I'm a I'm going to be rocking the apparel proudly. We on the block. Oh, uh, I said it on Twitter, but I immediately, when I heard it, I was just like, sitting sideways. <laughs> Boys, in it? what it do? I'm on the yes. block, posted up like a mailbox. Yo. Um, I- I'm so excited. Watch them on the block on Thursday. Come kick it with us, karaoke storytellers, on Sunday next week. Uh, Marissa, what's your some good news to send the people into the weekend? Some good news. We we love some good news. Well, aside from the fact that we did catch a glimpse of the sun this week, which was amazing. This was just like a little moment of humanity in my week, in my life that I 
I did a story on it and it's just like, it still carried me with it. I've heard from so many people about it. So I'm going to share it on here. Um, cause I, I love that slices of life. Those little bits of humanity are what make us. So, um, there's this little boy who he's, he's a pandemic baby and he lives in South loop. And, you know, something a lot of parents are seeing, uh, a lot of people are seeing, but especially young children, you have their entire lives have been spent inside pretty much. Uh, they weren't doing the things they would normally be doing, socializing with other kids. So he was, he had like stranger danger. He was scared to see people. Mm. And, uh, I came across this story because I'm friends on Facebook with my local garbage collector. Um, shout out to all of them. They keep our city moving. They keep it running. I have my own funny story with him. I love him. Shout out to Rich Rosales. He posted a photo of him holding up this little boy dressed as a sanitation engineer, as a a trash collector. And he was like, moments like these just like make the job worth it. And I was like, hello, (laughs) why didn't you call me? But that means he was doing it for the right reasons. Like he wasn't Uh doing it for publicity. He was genuinely having a beautiful moment. And as a reporter, you guys are nodding your heads. That screams authenticity. That makes me want to do it even more. I was like, oh, okay, this isn't for show. This little boy and him have been developing a friendship for the last two years. He's like three and a half. So that's like most of his life. And it's been a slow burn because you notice this little boy would just stare at him as he was like collecting trash, just like wide eyed and excited but would like be really scared to talk to people. And over the last two years, they've become buddies. And it's so cute because I got to witness the moment that like the trash truck pulls up and you see his eyes light up. Like he was, he's terrified of all people, but that trash truck comes around. He sees Rich. He's like, where's Rich? Where's Rich? Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, they've, they've become best friends. And I think that that's so special and beautiful. And it's a good reminder that it's like, there's so many people all around us who keep the city moving and are doing amazing things in it. And it's mm-hmm. a good reminder that like to take the time uh, to be human with each other, to acknowledge each other and say, thank you and have a conversation. Maybe if you feel like it, taking out your headphones on the train and you know <laughs> I don't know every, everyone's different on that everyone's divided that's controversial but you know I had a nice conversation with the person on the train I'll never see again but just mm-hmm. little human moments I'm seeing this little picture he got his little hard head on Rich yes. is staring at him with this long kind of gray salt and pepper beard just like looking at him with, with so much admiration um, yeah we've had some people come on shoot the shit and share these moments of joys about you know local bus drivers crossing cars sanitation engineers mm-hmm. and, and I agree with you so much our, our, our union workers you know uh, the, the mm-hmm. people who keep the electricity on you know uh, shout out to all of the, those folks who make our city go uh, every single day That that is a, a beautiful moment of joy we're definitely going to link to that story in the show notes so everybody could get in their feels uh and, and watch uh that interaction marissa thank you so much for for covering that uh, and i'm glad it also hit for you i'm glad that that was like uh you know something that you just kind of witnessed something you were watching in your neighborhood uh and wanted to talk about that that's a beautiful story Thank you. Well, thanks for having us and for giving us a chance to share it. Good news is some of the best news, you know? Uh-huh. We need it all. Yes. Mm-hmm. We need it all. My some good news for the week is something that I've talked about a few times on the show, and that's Art on the Mart. I think it's one of the coolest yeah. art exhibits that our city has, and it's back tomorrow. Uh, April 9th, uh, you all can go down and it's running through April 9th all the way to June 29th. Um, the, the the first two installations that are going to be going up. Uh, one is Flow by Carrie Hansen and the Seldoms. Um, 
I've seen so many cool things on there from from Frida Kahlo to the Obama portraits to to mugs footworking on Art on the Mart. And if you've never been down to the Merchandise Mart on Riverwalk, it's like a 30 story art installation. I I once gave a river tour um, and, and learned that that system is like that projection system is one of the largest in, I believe, the world and cost millions of dollars. And it's so dope that when they shine the exhibit up on Merchandise Mart, they've calibrated mm-hmm. it where the light doesn't yes. go through the windows. So the people who are in it aren't getting like blinded by these projectors just wow. shooting at them. And so I really? don't understand how that works. Right. Um, but it, it's one of the coolest things. And as somebody who is literally set out there and like, I want to say like December, like when it was cold, I can't wait to just go out there when that orb of, of light pops its little head back out in the sky. Wow. Um, but yeah, check out Art on the Mart if you never have been. And, and if you love it as much as I love it, uh, then it is back April 9th, um, all the way running through the fall. Um, so, you know, get out there, get your pictures and, and enjoy it. I appreciate y'all, both of y'all being on CityCast today to look back on the week. We talked about some some fantastic stories. We'll link to all of the all of them in our show notes. Uh, from CBS Morning Reporter Marissa Pata and CW's Brandon Pope, the new host of Block Clubs on the Block. Thank y'all so much for spending time with us. Thanks for having me. Thanks a lot, bro. Before I let you go, I got to show some huge love to the people who make our show at CityCast Chicago, including lead producer Carrie Shepard, who's enjoying herself in Mexico, producer Simone Alisea, who got a much-needed vacation out in Spain, our newsletter writer who's hitting me with all of the stories every single day, Sydney Madden, and our roving producer joining us from Denver, the one and only Lizzie Goldsmith. I got to give a shout-out to the people who make the music you love to hear on the podcast, including my boy Sam Thousand and Mark Greenberg at the Mayfair Workshop. And you know what? I don't do this often, but I'm going to show some love to the host of CityCast Chicago. Yeah, me. Uh, You know what? I I think I'm doing a pretty decent job. But the truth is that's only possible because you give me some time every single week to come into your life for a little bit. I appreciate you for it, and I hope you'll drop by next week. I'll talk to you on Monday. Peace. My improv troupe loves you, so... (laughs) Hey, I got a lot of smiles them. when I said I'd be on the on the podcast this week. <laughs>